Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa well, tonight is the uh, night of the half moon and uh, very close to the end of March. As uh, everyone here is aware, this is the last last day or two of our formal period of uh, retreat time, uh, the winter retreat period drawing to a close. And uh, so the three months have gone by, just <laughs> seems uh, like uh, <clears throat> when uh, some years ago when uh, uh, there was a, a monk who was uh, living in the, in the States, helping, who had helped to launch the Branch Monastery in California after he'd been there for a couple of years and was, was heading off. I, we were sitting at the airport and so I said, so Ajahn, what was your, what's your impressions of your time in California? And he said, it was an eternity that went by in a flash. An eternity that went by in a flash. So I thought, that's very good. <laughs> So, same for the winter retreat time. In some ways, beginning of January seems like eons ago. All the uh, kalpas uh, have uh, passed by, but in another sense, it's just just a moment, uh, and the whole three months, ninety days, have have gone by. Uh, one of the um, the qualities to to draw upon at a time like this, uh, as this period comes to a close, is uh, in the, one of the, the Buddha's many lists, uh, lists of qualities. Uh, there's a particular uh, a particular list, a group of qualities called the four bases of success, and these are uh, just uh, a uh, a summation of the different things that are, are needed in order to succeed at anything, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome or neutral. In order to succeed at any task, then we, we need four things. So the first is chanda. We need to be interested. There needs to be the, the quality of, of uh, desire or engagement. Then the, the attention needs to be roused for the subject. We need to be interested. Chanda. And then virya, we need to apply energy to it. If we want something to happen, if we want something to succeed, we have to put uh, juice into it. We have to uh, engage energetically. The third one then is citta, which in this respect means thinking about it. In order to succeed at something, we have to think about what it is that we're trying to do. So chanda, virya, citta. So you have to be interested, you have to engage energy, you have to think about what you're doing. And then the fourth one, 
is uh, in some way, some respects, the most interesting, because this is vimanksa, which means uh, reviewing the results of what you've done. So, how was it? What's what's the effect? Having been interested, having applied energy, having engaged in some some activity, what was the result? Where did it where did it lead? What was the effect of that? Where have we got to? So here, here we are at the end of March. Um, the retreat formally closing tomorrow evening, and uh, it's a good opportunity to to look back, to review, to employ that quality of vimanksa, and to see well how has this time been? How uh, how have the uh, the the things that have been pleasant and easy? Uh, how have they been? What what's the results of that? The things, the elements that have been difficult and problematic, uh, unwanted. Uh, what's been the, the result of that? How has that been? And so that this uh, this quality of reviewing is uh, uh, essential in some respects because if we if we're always just f- uh, uh, paying attention to where we're going um, or you know, what we're, what our, uh, our intention is or where we're heading, but we never uh, pay any attention to where we've got to, then we can be very, um, say, purposeful in, in going forwards, sort of pressing ahead, but not realizing that uh, we're not making much progress, or we took a wrong turning, you know, 30 miles back, and we're, we're, we're vigorously heading in the wrong direction. And this can easily happen, you know? <laughs> especially uh, you know, on the, uh, if you don't look at the, the road signs, there was a, a story a number of years ago about a, a fellow who um, spent the entire night driving around and around the M25, thinking he was on his way to Liverpool. Thinking, I'm, I've been driving for about you know, eight or ten hours, and still not seeing any signs for Liverpool. But <laughs> he was on the the M25 rather than the the um, M6, or you know, heading up to the the northwest, and wondering why you know, driving all this time and still haven't reached Liverpool. Well, this is what the monkster helps us to do: is to, to consider, well, you know, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm on the wrong road. Maybe I took a, a, a wrong turn back there. So to to just look back over this period of time and see, you know, how how has it been for us? What are the lessons that we have learned? Where were the uh, obstructions and difficulties? You know, and how do we hold it? Uh, how how are we looking at this time? Are we thinking, oh, that was great, or that was terrible, or uh, I really enjoyed this bit, or that bit was really difficult, and. Uh, and also to see how we judge things. You know, are we judging things in terms of if, if it's easy, do we call that good? If it's difficult, we call, do we call that bad? Or rather, do we look at things in terms of what were the lessons learned? Because often it's the difficulties and the, 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 the challenges, having some illness or some injury or some, um, uh, some uh, element of obstruction that actually uh, ends up being the, the thing that teaches us most. The fact that we did have a, a, uh, a strained knee or we had a, a continuous bout of colds and flu or, or that we had um, some other kind of obstruction, that it can often be those very things that we would never have asked for, things that we would never wish for, that end up teaching us the, the most important lessons, that we learn lessons of of patience, of, uh, of kindness, of compassion uh, that we would never have learned if we hadn't met with those, those difficulties and those, 
those obstructions. It's also just to see how we hold the time of retreat. Just do we uh, certainly? I, I enjoy this 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 time. The the winter retreat time to, is in many respects the most delightful time of the year. But also seeing how we hold that in terms of our attitude. Do we think, oh, this is the really good bit, and the rest we just sort of grit our teeth and tolerate for the the other nine months of the year, and just sort of wait till it's all over till we can get back to the you know, the real practice and the, the real um, valuable thing. Because as, uh, as it's not difficult to, to see, and if we listen to the teachings, pay attention to the teachings, we can see that it's, uh, even if something is good, something is wholesome, something is beneficial, like a, a time of retreat where there's a, a greater focus on formal practice, on less busyness, and you know, the conditions for developing samatha and vipassana are at their... At their uh, maximum benefit, they're at their very peak of, of, sort of uh, optimum qualities for, for helping these uh, aspects of, of Dhamma practice to be developed. If we cling to that goodness, then that very, by that very clinging, praising this, oh, this is so good, this is so wonderful, I love this, this is the real thing, this is the best. If we cling to that and thereby resent the rest, look, looking down upon activity and engagement and travel and, uh, and interaction with, with other people. And if we look down upon that as sort of inferior or un, you know, unwanted or unworthy or an obstruction, a headache, then that very goodness, the very, the very blessings, uh, the very sort of blessedness and uh, pleasantness, the wholesomeness, the value of, of uh, that peaceful, quiet time is, is then turned into a cause for suffering, a cause for confusion, a cause for, for conflict within ourselves. So, this is uh, something I would strongly encourage to look at the attitude with which we, we hold retreat time, the which we hold the not retreat time, and to, again, just as I, uh, I was emphasizing at the beginning of the retreat, to take everything that happens as a source of, of teaching to see what we can learn from the pleasant, the unpleasant, the wanted, the unwanted, Similarly, uh, to be holding the, 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 ex the experience of the retreat time, the experience of the time of engagement, to see what can we learn from it, what's it teaching us, rather than praising one and, and criticizing the other, exalting the retreat time and, and uh, begrudging or resenting or, or looking down on the, uh, the other times. But to see that you know, everything will teach us. You know, as uh, the, so many of these Dhamma talks of uh, Lumpur Cha that we've been, been uh, having readings from um, every day for these last number of weeks, over and over and over again, he is he's saying uh, how the, the sense uh, contact, the, the sense world of sight, sound, smell, taste and touch, these are, these are the source of wisdom. These are where we develop uh, insight. These are the, the very places where we uh, learn the most important lessons, that if we didn't see or hear or smell or taste or touch, then we would remain very stupid or, or, or numb. You know, we, would, we would not learn very much if our peace, our, our feelings of peacefulness depend on a, an absence of sense contact. You know, over and over again, he points out how we never develop very much wisdom in that way. So, I would heartily encourage this, uh, the attitude of just seeing that a retreat time is one mode and the, the uh, active 
engage time is another mode, but, but all of it is of great value. All of it will teach us if we let it. All of it will be a, a source of, of blessing and, and benefit if we let it. And uh, everything depends on the attitude. The, uh, this is the key piece. <laughs> this is the, the, the linchpin of Dhamma practice, is the attitude, how we hold uh, each moment whether we uh, look at it as, as what we like or what we don't like, whether it's a, a form that we find pleasant or unpleasant, you know, everything, it, it depends on, on the attitude. And if we have a skillful attitude, then we realize the you know, Dhamma is everywhere. How, how can the Dhamma not be ever-present? How can the Dhamma be uh, here in the temple on an on a observance night and not in the sala on a, a raucous Sunday morning <laughs> with couple of hundred people uh, gathered together, all chatting continuously, and kids running around all over the place. You know, how can the, the Dhamma, the Dhamma is still here, whether it's in the silence of the temple, or whether it's in the, the, uh, the buzz of, of uh, the sala, or the, indeed the buzz of the M25. <laughs> the Dhamma is always here. How can it not be? And uh, the challenge is then to, to be uh, remembering, to wake up to that. To, to notice that, to awaken to that. Our, our, we, we use the forms and the structures that we have, the pujas, gathering together, chanting, like this evening, chanting the Dhammachaka Sutta, coming together, paying respects to the shrine. Uh, you know, these, these forms, these, these structures, we use these to keep recollecting the central principles of our life, that those elements of, um, uh, of our lives that help us to remember the presence of the Dhamma, help us to awaken to that, help us to keep that at the very center. So that uh, you know, we always have the, the shrine with the, lit up with the candles, with the, the Buddha Rupa illuminated, the Buddha at the very center. You know, have all these beautiful flowers, springtime now at the places bedecked with beautiful flowers, blossoming trees, and exploding daffodils, primulas. <laughs> yeah, the, the spring devas are exploding uh, with that activity, all this warm, beautiful, bright weather. So we have candles, flowers, incense, to remind us that we, we have the, 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 the shrine at the center of things, we illuminate it, and we come in, we pay our respects together, we all join together as a single body, bowing together, as a single voice, chanting together, to recollect these, these uh, central principles, sila, samadhi, and panya. Uh, these are the, the essential tools that, that we have. This is the kit laid out by the Buddha, the, the, the absolutely essential toolkit for the human condition, the human world. And that's what the, you know, these, these um, represent, the candles, flowers, and incense. You know, they represent sila, samadhi, and panya. The flowers are that which is naturally beautiful, naturally pleasing to the eye. That is uh, quality, a fragrance, and perfection. That flowers represent sila, that which is beautiful in the world, that which is so in, uh, naturally appealing and delighting to our, our senses when we're with someone who is someone who is honest, someone who is 
harmless, someone who is gentle and respectful, someone who is restrained. There's a, just like being around the blossoming flowers, there's something that, that uh, is warmed and delighted within us. Just, uh, just walking around, all of us probably have the same experience, just seeing the, the daffodils blossoming and their beautiful golden colours and the, the, uh, the cherry trees coming out into bloom down by the, the, the gateway, a beautiful pink cherry blossom, the old cherry tree by the offices just bursting out into, into flower. We, we see the flowers and something in the heart goes, ah, how lovely, how beautiful, how, how delightful, how filled with delight that is. Now similarly, sila has that same quality when we are around someone who manifests that, when we, when we see that quality in ourselves, when, we are, uh, when there is that, uh, the, that presence of the wholesome, the, the noble, the skillful. There's a, a, a natural delight that comes with that. That's, that's what is intrinsically appealing and beautiful, delightful to the heart. So sila is represented by the, by the, the flower offerings and then <coughs> samadhi, the incense is what represents samadhi, the, the, uh, the single point, the burning fire, the, 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 uh, uh, the one point of the burning incense, that single spot of fire on the incense stick. It's like the one-pointedness of samadhi, of the concentration, the attention fixed on the single point of the present moment. And then the fragrance that spreads from the, that stick, that even though that the fire happens at one point, then the, the, the smoke, the, the fragrance of the incense, then pervades the whole space. So just as with samadhi, the attention is fixed on a single spot, the effect of that, that, uh, that singularity, that focus, is filling the whole space of our awareness with that fragrance of, um, of attention, uh, a unified and integrated attention. This is a quality of samadhi, the, the uh, appropriate and uh, skillful holding of the present moment, the mind's uh, steady attention to the present. There's a singleness uh, with the one spot of fire, and then there's a vastness, the, and also the fragrance of the, the beautiful scent of the incense you know, filling the space. So in the same way that uh, our mental space is filled with that fragrance of, of samadhi, the fragrance of one-pointedness, the fragrance of integrated attention. And then panya, wisdom, is very naturally represented by by the quality of light, as in the, the Dhamma Chaka Sutta, you know, all the Udapadis, Chakung Udapadi, Chaku is the eye, so vision arose, Jnana, knowledge arose, Panya, wisdom arose, Vicha, knowing arose, awareness arose, uh, Aloka, light arose, all these images of light and brightness that uh, the Buddha uses in describing his experience of awakening. Um, with each of the each of the four noble truths, so that uh, panya wisdom is very very naturally represented by light. It's that which uh, say enables us to dispels the darkness of ignorance. It enables us to to be able to discern you know, what's going on. Where are we? How are 
the things uh, arranged around us, uh, how is the world ordered? Light is what enables us to see that there, there is a, a, a quality of, of knowing and understanding. When there's light, then we, we see, we, can, we know where we are, we know how everything is put together. We see how the world is arranged. So these, uh, these are uh, reminders that we, we uh, are drawing upon, that we're bringing to our attention over and over again that we put at the center of our attention, sila samadhi panya, uh, you know, all, the, all the, you know, the chanting, the acts of devotion, the shrine, over and over again, remembering and recollecting these qualities, because this is what we need to help us to remember. These are the, the, the basic toolkit that we have as a human being to counteract the habits of self-centered thinking, of fear and desire and greed, hatred, delusion, the instinctual uh, conditioned habits that we inherit as part of our, our animal conditioning, the, our, the birth in the, in the world and the, the mind's habituation to be guided by uh, a fear and aggression and greed and, and so forth. So as we uh, come to the end of this retreat time and we are entering into a, a period of, of greater activity, greater engagement, then these are the, the, the tools that we, we have with us. These are the things to, re to recollect and to remember that we have to hand. Sila Samadhi Panya, this is what we keep with us so that we can effectively and actively process the experience of uh, greater movement, greater engagement, greater responsibility, having to perform as a, as a human being, to engage with others, to go places, to, to meet with greater uh, variety of changes and, and demands on our attention, demands for us to be able to respond to different situations in, in appropriate ways. To deal with the emotional reactivity of liking and disliking, enthusiasm and depression, sickness and, and health, and having to they relate to complexity and, and uh, responsibility, having to relate to uh, choices that are, are made, that are, are required of us to make on a, on a daily basis. Uh, this is the, the area where we tend to get most confused and uh, when, act, when the level of activity increases and we're engaging with other people and and taking responsibility for things or having to perform particular tasks and put on our, our roles as, uh, uh, as human beings, we, we tend to get lost in the emotional impact of, of like and dislike, of praise and criticism, success and failure, gain and loss. This is where we get lost. These are, as the Buddha called them, the, 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 uh, the Lokya Dhammas, the worldly Dhammas, also known as the, the worldly winds. They're the, they stir up the heart, praise and criticism, success and failure, gain and loss, happiness, unhappiness. This is where we get blown around. These are the things that, that pull on the heart, that we get flushed with success and we get crushed with failure. <laughs> we get the, you know, the, the sweetness of, of gain and the bitterness of, of loss. This is absolutely ordinary, common to us. This is the, the flavor of the human condition, bittersweet. Uh, is, is the flavor of the, the human realm. 
So the, it's, it's important to recollect, this is, it's in meeting these very experiences, meeting that, that, that the mixtures of, of uh, praise and criticism, success and failure, gain and loss. This is where we need to apply those, the tools of, of uh, sila, samadhi and panya. This is the, the, um, uh, say the, the means whereby we learn to relate to those uh, worldly compulsions, the worldly patterns of, of reactivity. Uh, they're the tools that we help us to, to not get lost, to not uh, lose our way, help us to keep on, on track and to uh, guide the, the, uh, the fabric, the substance of our life towards that which is wholesome, that which is noble and, and beneficial. But it's very easy, isn't it, to, to get lost. We get lost in the stories, of the, the, um, the roles that we have to play, the memories of the past, the, the things that have been delightful, the things that have been painful, the, the things we've done wrong, the things that have been done to us that were, were, uh, were uh, unpleasant or difficult, the things that we uh, uh, say we relish in the past that were so wonderful and great, the things that we look forward to in the future that will be so promising and enticing the things that we dread, the possibilities of the future that seem challenging or difficult. This is where we get lost, isn't it? The, the charge of the, the future and the past and, and the habits of, of self-view we get woven into. Uh, the stories, how great it was, how awful it was, the terrible mistake that I made, the, the wonderful, beautiful time that I had, how dreadful it's going to be, how wonderful it's going to be. <laughs> You know, all of us have our own you know, ways of filling in those blanks, but this, this is where, for most of us, we tend to get drawn in, get, get caught up. Creating the past, creating the future, creating a, a sense of self uh, out of all the, the stories that, that we tell, how we imagine the future's going to be, how we recollect and recreate the past. the relations that we have with other people, the pleasant ones, the difficult ones, the ones that we, we rely upon, the ones that we, that we, that we, we cherish, the ones that we, uh, that we uh, begrudge and are, are testing and difficult. You know, this is where we get lost. You know, the, 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 the connections we have with others that we cherish that then we fear are going to be broken, losing the ones that we love the ones that we are, are, um, are burdened by, that uh, you know, the connections we have with others that we feel you know, that are strained by, that there's a conflict or a criticism or judgment, stress and, and dukkha in that, with our, our, our family or fellow monastics or, or uh, you know, older partnerships, various kinds. We get caught in those in the emotional impact of of love and hate, of uh, emotional closeness, belonging, you know, the sense of of, uh, of uh, possessiveness that we can have with our, our parents or our children or our friends or our enemies. <laughs> so it's important to to recognize that with sila and samadhi and panya, we have the tools. We have we have a the capacity to develop a clarity around uh, emotional reactions, and uh, we have the capacity to 
to relate, to, to know our own loves and hates, our own regrets and, and hopes. Uh, we can know those, we can, we can attend to those, we can uh, relate to those in, in skillful ways. We don't have to be burdened by um, regrets about the past or, or nostalgia about the past, or we don't have to be carrying around unrequited and difficult relationships in the present. Stresses and strains and, and uh, yeah, tense uh, ways of relating to the people that we live with, the ones that we, that we like, the ones that we dislike, the ones that we feel comfortable with, the ones that we feel threatened by. So it's, uh, in this respect, it's, it's helpful to uh, use the, the meditation, use the capacity that we have to reflect and to explore, to, to uh, understand those emotional reactions to our, you know, our own life, the, 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 our own regrets about the past, or our own sense of nostalgia, of how, you know, something that was pleasant in the past, or uh, to, uh, to look at our feelings of fear, or feelings of, of desire, or aversion. We can explore those, we can investigate those. And uh, you know, oftentimes, if we're, the, if we're only trying to, to deal with those feelings of, of love and hate, or feelings of, of regret and, and delight, when we're sort of actively engaged, when we're sort of meeting with that, that difficult person, or we're, we're with that uh, person that we love so much, or we, uh, we are swept up in the effects of, of some uh, action, some engagement, then we are, uh, in a sense, we're asking too much of ourselves. Or we, if we only try and deal with that, that feelings of, of irritation or feeling of fear or feeling of, of excitement when it's being you know, roused by the presence of a, another person, then we, you know, we, are, um, we, we can find it too much of a challenge. But we can use the meditation itself to explore, investigate, exactly those kind of things. So that uh, when we have a period of sitting meditation, and say there's something that you want to, to look at, say your fear of death, or the fear of, of losing your, your parent, or um, the uh, irritation of some conflict with yourself, um, between yourself and somebody else in the community, or someone in your family. Yeah, a, uh, to, to take a time when you are sitting quietly and have a, the other person isn't around, isn't, you're not in a challenging situation, and to deliberately bring up the person's name or their uh, memory of their face, or just, just to, to uh, bring that particular issue to mind, or that you're most afraid of, or that you're most uh, disturbed by, or, or longing for, or, or excited by. Just to to bring that particular event or quality to mind, so you make the mind as still and as quiet as possible, and then just bring up the, the name of that person, your mother or your your child or your your teacher or your your um, your, your nemesis, you know, the the person that you're in state of conflict with. <laughs> Yeah, that you're in a, uh, you've been clashing with for the last number of weeks, just to bring up the name, and you want to leave as much of the story aside as possible, because the point of it is not to be just uh, ruminating over 
the loves and hates and reiterating the stories, but to get to know the emotion, to get to know what, what is fear like, what is aversion like, what is the feeling of jealousy like. So that you're using this kind of a practice to explore the emotional reaction, not to just create more self-view. So to, to bring the mind to as much of a, a state of quietness as possible, then deliberately trigger that, that reaction of regret or jealousy or excitement or fear. And then just triggering it in, a, in this very simple and direct way, just bringing someone's name to mind or bringing the event to mind. And then uh, that having been triggered, consciously bring the attention into the body. Notice, where does, where does jealousy sit in the body? Where do you feel fear or where do you feel anger? Where do you feel that uh, desire, greed? What's this texture? What's its, what's its flavor? What's the, the sensation in the body? Is it a, a pain between your shoulder blades? Is it a, a tightness in your, in your grip? Is it a, uh, a tension in the, the stomach? Is it a, a, a heaviness or a breathlessness? What is it? Where is it? How does it feel? And again, we're not looking for a particular kind of commentary or some sort of explanation or anything verbal at all, but more just bringing the attention to the physical quality, the sensation of that, that mood, that emotion, just to know it, to receive it directly. And at that moment, what we're doing is we're receiving the results of past causes, our habits of reacting with excitement or fear or resentment, a sense of grief, having lost the one that you love, just to, to know that feeling, to receive it, so that there having been that connection, that, that, that love or that, that hate, that fear, that jealousy, then those causes having been created, here are their effects. Here it is, it feels like this. And in that very attitude of receptivity, of there being a, an accepting uh, and open quality, the, the heart being ready to receive that feeling, Right here, in this moment, we're creating the causes for you know, wholesome effects in the future. That we're creating the causes in the attitude with which we hold that. We're creating the causes here and now for the, uh, the future effects of peacefulness, of clarity. Where through the way that we receive those, um, those uh, emotional qualities, we are planting the causes for peacefulness, for clarity, for, for freedom from those emotional biases in the future. So that what we're doing is, in that we're able to, to cultivate a genuine loving-kindness, a genuine metta, a radical acceptance for those different states, to know them, and also in that respect to, to not take them personally. That when you, when we really know that feeling, or this is what jealousy feels like, this is what desire feels like, this is what fear is like, this is what grief is like. We're, we're able to know that simply as a, a condition in nature rather than as my personal problem or something that, that we own as an, as a, as an individual. But yeah, there's a body, there's a mind, so it can experience anger, it can experience excitement, it can experience jealousy, it can experience grief. Here it is, it's, it's like this. Here's the cause, here's the effect. And in that very receptivity, in that quality of acceptance, we are allowing it to cease, we're allowing those causes 
to come to their conclusion, to reach their ending, and to fade. And then te sang wu pa ko, in their passing, is peace. So then in this process, then uh, having roused that particular emotion or that, that, uh, that uh, quality, then just to stay with it, to, uh, to be with that, uh, and to attend to it, to, to witness and to feel, to receive those effects for as long as it takes to, to just be with them, to know them, and then just to let them fade out. And sometimes when you do this kind of a practice, it takes five seconds to trigger some emotional state and then 45 minutes to let go of it. <laughs> It can, it can be that, that, uh, that way. But to having triggered that feeling of grief or uh, anger or uh, jealousy or whatever, then just to stay with it, to, to know it, and then to, uh, after a little while, to steadily let go, use the, particularly use the out-breath, the exhalation, and that natural uh, releasing, relinquishing quality of... Um, uh, of the out-breath to, to let things fade, to let things come to a conclusion, to let things end. And then as, as to stay with that feeling as long as it takes for it to, to, to fade and to, to uh, dissolve. And then once it's finally ceased and, and has disappeared, and has come to its natural end, then to stay with the mind in a, in a quiet, peaceful, clear state. So in that respect, we've We've, we've started out with that you know, clear, open space. We've triggered that emotion, uh, watched it come into being, known it, received it, uh, held it, and let go of it. And then it's reached its end. So we watch the whole thing come into being, do its, its peace, and then fade away, go back to, to zero once again. So in that very respect, we watch the birth and the, uh, the life and the death of that condition. And then throughout that whole cycle, held it with an attitude of, of clear attention, of, of not personalizing it, not grasping it, not rejecting it, not judging it, but simply knowing this is a pattern of nature, just like the shape of, a, of the blossom on a, on a, a spring branch, and the shape of a, a flame on a candle, knowing the, the shape of a word, the sound of a word as it's formed. It just, this is a pattern in nature. It comes into being, it does its thing, it fades, that's all. So whether it's the sound of a word or the shape of a, a flower on a branch or whether it's a, uh, the feeling of grief at uh, losing a loved one or the feeling of, of uh, resentment at someone who's mistreating you or giving you a bad time, we realize that it's just the shape, it's just a shape in nature. That's all it is. It's no more, no less than that. These things come into being, they have their, their, their patterning and then they dissolve. That's it. No more, no less. No big thing. It's just that much. So in this, the, the way that we're relating to these, uh, these patterns, we're, we're using the qualities of, of skillfulness, the, the quality of, of, uh, of samadhi, bringing attention to the present moment, the quality of, of sila, not reacting, uh, negatively, uh, of, uh, of uh, grasping hold of what we uh, of something that we we find delicious, or attacking something that we find irritating, that we cultivating the, uh, a wholesome, kindly, respectful uh, attitude towards it. And panya, we're applying wisdom. There's that that scrutiny, that clarity of vision being brought to the experience, so that in in holding that. Uh, uh, the flow of, of uh, 
uh, the experience, the, the pattern of a, an emotion in the body, the, the feeling, that texture of it. We're applying the tools of sila, samadhi and banya. We're applying these, these key uh, processes, these, these principal tools that the Buddha gave us to, to deal with the, these areas of our life where we most easily get lost, where we get most easily confused and we uh, continually create ourselves, con continually build self-view and the causes for alienation and the, the causes for continued birth and, and death. But if we, if we uh, apply these tools, we, we put them to work in a skillful way, then those, those habits of self-creation, the habits of, of um, a lifetimes of uh, attachment to like and dislike, gain and loss, success and failure, praise and criticism, you know, chasing the one and, and uh, uh, running away from the other, those habits of a lifetime can, can be brought to a close, like being free of some kind of addiction. The, the heart is, is freed from the compulsive reactions to chasing after what is liked and running away from what we dislike. Cherishing and relishing the, the, the pleasant and, and resenting and fearing the, the unpleasant. The heart is freed from those, those reactive patterns. And these are, are tools that we can always apply, whether the, uh, our days are, are active or, or, or inactive. Once we really develop these kind of skills, then we don't need to be sitting on a cushion in order to, to practice this. We can, we can learn how to apply this kind of uh, clear, reflective wisdom in the midst of activity, in the midst of uh, a busy morning in the sala, in the midst of driving on the M25, in the midst of the uh, life in the kitchen at, at uh, 10.50 in the morning as the, the, uh, the, the food serving time is rapidly approaching. And we were able to uh, apply these you know, easily and directly to know our own habits and, and to, to understand them, to, to free the heart from them. So then we can uh, fulfill the, the roles and activities that we need to, that you know, we engage in the different functions we have as a, in the community, do the traveling we need to and, and uh, perform the roles that we need to, but without confusion, without uh, complication, without adding extra uh, layers of, of reactivity, of, of uh, the habits of self-view, complicating and confusing and uh, creating a, a sense of burden, but more we're able to relate with a, a fluidity, a clarity and easefulness in, in all of the different functions that, uh, that we, uh, we need to engage with in order to, to, to live and, and work in, in the world. So I'll offer these uh, few reflections for this evening.